Blog Talk Radio. This is Creativity and Play. I'm Steve Gilbert. And I'm Mary Alice Long. You can find us online and be notified of future shows at creativityandplay.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Creativity Play. And download archived editions on iTunes. Our guest today on Creativity and Play is Jeff Smith. Smithson. Jeff is founder of Proponent of Chain, Proponent, Proponent of Play, excuse me, which creates safe atmospheres for people to develop through mindfulness and movement. Jeff has worked with kids with chronic and life-threatening illnesses as part of the Big Apple Circus Clown Care Program and Paul Newman's The Hole in the Wall Gang Camp. Jeff Smithson, welcome to Creativity and Play. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. It's great to have you, and lots of different topics for us to cover today, but you offered to actually engage us a little in a little um, playfulness at the start of our show today, so I want to invite you to to do that before we start chatting with you. Sure, sure. Well, uh, as I shared in an email with you, unfortunately I've been out with a a bad back and so not necessarily feeling in a playful space, Uh, so I thought that we could do a little warm-up uh, and just a, a verbal improvisation exercise, uh, word association. Uh, so how about I start, uh, and then Steve, you go next, and then Mary Alice will, will go around, and what you do is you just say the word that comes to mind uh, after you hear the word of the person before you, and let's go around for a, a few loops and see where it goes. Sound okay. good? Sure. All right. Great. All right. Um, tree. Outside. Sacred. Breath. Flowers. Big. Empire State Building. (laughs) New York City. High. Mad Men. That's good enough. You, you, sorry, sorry to interrupt. That's that's good enough. You get you get a a sense of it, um, and you also get a sense that I've been watching a lot of Mad Men with my back out. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Likewise, without the back out. Pardon me. Well, uh, likewise on the Mad Men front, but without my back being out. Oh, oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. Yes. Yes. Speaking of um, these sorts of word games are, are things that I like to play with um, in terms of loosening people up. Uh, and actually, before we even get to words generally in the workshops that I offer, the majority of my play is, is about the body uh, and about how mm. it's such an incredible instrument uh, for expressing uh, what we're thinking and what we're feeling. And, of course, we, we talk about body language, and I think a lot of people are pretty good at reading other people's body language. But how often is it that people are engaged in recognizing their own body language? And so that was why I responded to the word sacred with breath, uh, because I, the, the first rule in any workshop that I, that I offer is to, to have participants connect with their breath. 
uh, and to be in their body and to notice where they're holding any tension uh, and to breathe into that space and, and let it go. Uh, and then we, we do isolation exercises in terms of uh, moving the head forward into the side and back. It's, it's kind of difficult to express and see on the, uh, on the blogosphere, um, but then words uh, come second uh, in my mind in terms of talking about a playful body. Um, and uh, the, the way to go playful with words uh, is, is gibberish, which is very threatening for a lot of people. Um, I, I thought about opening with, with an exercise uh, in just sounds, um, but that can be a little out there for people. Um, but uh, it's you mean like the, you mean Jeff, you mean Jeff like blah 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 I think that's, that's perfectly wonderful. Myself. Yeah, I that's exactly. We were, when we were playing the word game, I was moving and I was thinking, well, what has the body got to do with it? A lot, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Well, the body is everything in my mind. I mean, I uh, body language. Uh, a, a lot. Uh, here's how I divide it up. There's, and this is associated with Michael Chekhov. There's, there's the head, there's the heart, and there's the gut. The head yeah. is the in- intellect, uh, and as adults, that's where a lot of people are centered. Uh, in the hospital work that I've done, uh, you see a lot of very smart people, the doctors who are who are in their head and, and relaying information and assessing and, and this sort of thing. Uh, and then there's the heart, which is emotion um, and uh, a want of, of connection. And, and finally, the gut has to do with issues of survival uh, and is very primal uh, related to the root chakra. But one of the things that I enjoy, uh, given my experience in the hospital, which, which we'll get to in a second, is helping doctors uh, communicate with their heart so that they convey the necessary information, but then they listen uh, and, and communicate um, with, with caring uh, and with compassion. Yeah, it's also interesting just to say that, I, well, the gut, the gut has so much information and actually has its own brain. So yep. <laughs> kind of, yeah, really, a lot yep. more than we think going through our gut. Yes. Uh, you've done work, I, I take it, as you've just been touching on with doctors and, again, coming out of the head. How do you, how do you get them to engage beyond and sort of step into this if they're reluctant, as I suspect several, many <laughs> perhaps of them are, yeah. at least at first? Yes, the very, that, very like? reluctant. Very reluctant. Um, I'll tell you a story. I First of all, doctors' time is an incredible pressure. And so a lot of the reason why they communicate quickly is because they want to get to the point. They want to get the information across. They want to receive the information, and they want to get on to the next patient. Um, I ran a workshop in a, in a hospital uh, a few years ago, uh, and it happened to be at lunchtime. Uh, so all of the all of the people came into this large boardroom with a huge table in the m- middle and were uh, eating lunch. Lots of uh, younger medical students and interns, uh, and they had been told that they were doing a workshop with a clown. 
uh, and the 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 frustration was palpable uh, when I when I when they came into the room, uh, and I sort of opened with, "Hey, how's how's it going? What's going on?" And the room was dead silent. So I, I got up onto the table and and sort of broke with regular formalities and said, "Look, talk to me. What's happening here?" And eventually one of them opened up and said, we're concerned about our patients. Uh, we, we didn't want to leave them on the floor, and, and we were told we're working with a clown. Uh, and I said, great, I understand that. I would be upset too. A lot of the work that I do has to do with building with what is in the room, co-creating uh, the, the workshop environment uh, or co-creating a playful environment uh, in in a hospital room, so breaking breaking that um, frustration again. I, I usually have the group stand in a circle uh, so that everybody can see each other. Uh, and there there are physical games, a game called Whoosh uh, that I play, which has to do with sending energy around the circle. Think of uh, the wave uh, at a sporting event, uh, and once you get people into their body. Uh, and the, you, you get their arms uncrossed and their brows unfurrowed, then they connect with the, the human part of themselves, the playful part of themselves. In fact, I, in, after one uh, workshop, I had a medical student come up to me and, and thank me and say, I don't know when the last time I played was. And that that's... Um, it's such a gift to be able to to play the role of reminding people of the importance of play. Jeff, how did you how did you connect with play first? You know, the first time, or how did you come? And then how did you come back to play, or did you come back to it? Was it a continuous thread for you? How about how did you come you know, to do what you're doing now? Yeah, well, play is such a huge word. It, it's uh, it, it can mean uh, many things to many people, much like the word clown. Uh, some people can dismiss play as as frivolous, uh, and a clown as as simply silly. Um, I believe that I came to play uh, as a matter of. Um, Having grown up, uh, fortunately, with two uh, loving families, uh, but my mother and father separated when I was very young, and so I ended up playing uh, silly and and had this desire to to make people happy and and bring joy. I first uh, slapped on some leftover Halloween makeup uh, and performed as a clown for my younger brother and sister, uh, and and. You know, I just had something in terms of being able to communicate with kids. Uh, there's very much play in my mind has to do with uh, th- that that area of discovery um, and, and joy and connectedness. Um, so I, I think in large part it came out of a reaction to, to uh, a childhood of bouncing back and forth between two families. And then I, I've, I have to say I'm extremely grateful for, for my families because uh, after graduating uh, with a, a BA in religion, um, I ended up going to Ringling Brothers Clown College, uh, and, and I've had a tremendous amount of support from, from my family uh, encouraging me to do what I love. 
Um, and uh, so other than a, a brief stint in New York City real estate, uh, um, most of my jobs have had play uh, at, the, at the center or, or if not, uh, then very nearby. Mm-hmm. And where, how do you see play or do you see a difference between play with children and adults or or are there and there are similarities of course so how do you see that the differences and similarities between children's play and adult play since you work with yeah them? well i i think i i have a six-year-old son oliver who uh i've i've been very direct with and, and told him that he's my teacher um because I, I learn from him, and I'm also very clear that sometimes I'm learning patience from him, uh, in addition to the wonder uh, that that children exhibit. I, I think that that kids are more easily lost in play, and they're using it to discover their identity, and that adults um, kind of shut that off. Um, one of the one of the people who had a huge influence on, on my philosophy uh, is uh, Lev Vygotsky. I learned about him while working with the East Side Institute in, in New York City. Lev right. Vygotsky speaks of the zone of proximal development, uh, which is best illustrated in language acquisition in kids. Uh, a little kid uh, sees a bottle and says, Baba, and you say, yes, that's right, bottle when, in fact, the kid didn't say the correct thing, but the response of the adult uh, created the space into which the kid could grow. So there's this permissiveness as children uh, and, and as caretakers with children of creating the space into which they can grow uh, and not um, hammering on the mistakes. And that's one of the things that I think adults lose uh, both for themselves and, and the people that they lead. I, I think, um, you know, uh, in the world of clown, uh, the oh shit moment when, when something goes wrong is, is a gift. And that's when uh, there is tons of room for discovery, tons of room for, for sharing vo- vulnerability uh, and, and making connections uh, with the audience. So... I think the the difference between kids and adults is that that kids uh, are forgiven more often um, uh, in terms of their learning curve, uh, whereas adults think they know absolutely who they are and uh, don't tolerate uh, uh, mistakes. We're talking with Jeff Smithson, who is our guest today. He's the founder of Proponent of Play. And following up on, on what you're just talking about, it, it and the the idea of creating a zone into which kids can learn and grow. I I imagine the work that you do uh, as a clown, and and um, I I think you also do other work, not as a clown with with kids in healing as well. It, that is probably a similar concept in terms of space for healing. That when when you encounter kids with with life threatening illnesses or um, you know, extreme extreme illnesses such as cancer. That that's part of what you're doing as well. Of this, that that the clown and and the playfulness of of clowning allows space to step into to to begin healing, whether it's the, the young patients themselves and or their families. Is that true? Absolutely. And, and 
you 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 nailed it it's it's the the space in which learning occurs is also the space in which healing occurs so the the lessons that i learned uh as a clown doctor for the big apple circus clown care unit um uh and working for paul newman's hole in the wall gang camp have to do with um playing to the healthy part of the child playing to the spirit of the child, the curiosity of the child, uh, and treating them as perfect, whole, and complete as they are. No judgment in terms of hair loss for chemotherapy. No judgment in terms of uh, their abilities uh, to get up and out of bed. You see them as uh, the, the, the spirit within them uh, and play to that spirit. And then, you know, there's, there's a large uh, spectrum of um, children in terms of their developmental abilities, uh, and, and so you adjust it accordingly. Uh, you know, the, the younger kids, of course, love diversion, uh, whereas uh, some uh, school-age kids, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, understand what's going on in these serious circumstances and therefore need a space for venting the frustration or the fear. So, for instance, uh, as, as a clown, you, you uh, have tremendous um, ability to create the environment and, and to respond to, again, what's happening in the room. So if there's a kid who's frustrated, why not hand them, uh, you know, a handful of paper towels and have them rip them up and throw them in the air? Uh, allowing them to, to express what's going on as, as opposed to uh, containing it and hiding it. But, but you hit the nail on the head. The, the, the growth, the space for growth uh, is the same space for, for healing. And say a little more about what it is about the cloud that, that allows for creativity to, allows people to connect to their creativity through the clown. What are the elements of clowning that, that really make it work for other people connecting as well. And, and I know yeah. you just mentioned a couple of those. Well, the, the clown nose is, is often referred to as the world's smallest mask. Uh, and what, what do masks do? Masks conceal, uh, but they also reveal. Uh, think of somebody who, who wears makeup every day, a uh, non-clown person wearing makeup. They, they highlight their eyes and they, and they pop out more. Um, uh, the makeup of a, a clown originally uh, in the circus setting was, was created so that people could read the facial expressions from the far distant seats. Um, uh, in the hospital setting, the makeup is often toned down because of your close proximity to children. You don't want to be a grotesque character who's right in their face. So the, the nose, in concealing and revealing, it generalizes the person who's wearing it to become more of a, a character or a cartoon uh, and therefore has more immediate access uh, to getting to know somebody and to sharing, uh, having people share with that, that character. So I, I kind of view the nose as this superpower um, and, and fully believe that it, it's being used as such. Uh, the hospital clown 
world is huge. It's an international uh, group of people now. Uh, and in addition, there's Clowns Without Borders, the equivalent of Doctors Without Borders, uh, who are going into very difficult spaces and, and bringing uh, the innocence of clown and, and joy uh, into places that are very dark but need uh, light reflected in them. Jeff, I noticed uh, and read one of your blog posts uh, where you were um, you're working with a with a young man and who um, couldn't paint in the usual way, and so he used his mouth to paint, and you uh, held the the, the um, what he was canvas. painting on canvas so that um, so that he could do that. And while you were doing that, what I was taken by in the blog post was your your inner uh, your inner and outer need to help him to make it make the sea meet the sky, and then you realize oh, it, that's not what was important. It was what he was creating, the courage he was taking, the the stamina, the strength that he had, and that you know he needed to do that, and you were just there as a as a helper. Uh, so I wonder, before we run out of time, if you could tell us um, one other uh, story from your work because stories are so powerful um you know we use a lot of words in social media and in person but 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 if we put them together in a story it's just magical could you tell us uh, one of your stories sure well well the one to which you just referred was uh i'd love to talk about that just a little bit more because it was sure. a very very poignant learning moment uh this young boy who's painting uh and i'm holding the canvas on which he's painting and I know what the what it's supposed to look like and how much do I exert my control to to get the picture to look what it's supposed to look like versus him actually discovering the brush strokes uh and and having power um so I I think that um that's a lot of what I do in uh and the clowns do uh in being available to uh create something together as opposed to imposing one's one's will on it. Um mm-hmm. other other stories, you know, it's um there there are, are so many kids with, with whom I've worked, uh and most of the kids that I got to know well was through my work with the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp because you visit them up to, you know, twice a week uh and see them as they progress through the illness, either on the path to recovery or on, on the path to, to sprouting wings, as the as the clowns say. Um I'm I'm having trouble at the moment thinking of a of a specific story. Um, you know, I I guess there, I can share the story of Sarah, uh, which is early on in my work uh, with the hospital outreach program uh, at Hole in the Wall. She was uh, confined uh, to receiving chemotherapy uh, and not able to move. Uh, but I had these fantastic Crayola window markers. Uh, there's a plug, uh, and um, uh, I asked what she wanted to see uh, because I was drawing on the window of her room, and she said a penguin, and I was just honest. I said, I don't know how to draw a penguin. Where do you want me to start, the the nose or the the beak or the toes? What, what do you want? Uh, and she guided me through doing it, and I – that's that's one of the other areas that I, I think it's is very important is the the power of I don't know 
um, and and being willing to enter into the not knowing. Um, you know, back to the the question of adults versus kids and play. Kids are are con- always in this space of not knowing um, a- as they're growing up, and somehow, boom, when you're an adult, uh, there's a fear of saying, "I don't know." Um, so that instance with Sarah just illustrates for me how you can uh, be honest when you don't know something and and then uh, create something out of that knowing by using uh, the people who are around you. And and it sounds like like improv is a thread across many of the examples you've shared and the approaches you use. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's the yes and principle. Yes, I accept what you're offering, and I will build uh, further. And, and you've also done work uh, with with teachers and classrooms as an extension of the of the types of approaches that you've been telling us about in healthcare and children and, and um, other groups. Can you say a little bit about about that work in how teachers can yes, incorporate this into? With- Yes, yes. Working with teachers is, um, you know, uh, when Oliver was younger, turning him over to other uh, people uh, initially was very frightening. But these people, I happen to remember, um, and in Facebook friends with my kindergarten teacher. <laughs> um, so the 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 energy that a teacher has and the influence that teachers have on children. Um, just by being present in in a loving way um, is is profound. So I love facilitating workshops for uh, for early childhood uh, care people. Um, one of the things that I share with them that that seems to resonate is we've all heard that action speaks louder than words. And what I'm trying to bring is that energy speaks louder than action. Uh, f- Connecting with one's own intention uh, in terms of providing a, a great space for play and discovery um, is very powerful because if we're only giving energy to what's grabbing our attention, uh, then we're putting out fires all over the place and more scattered. So I, I think having a, a creative, playful intention um, as early childhood care uh, people go into work to to find a, a personal ritual to set aside uh, the challenging things that are going on in their life, um, and and to to enter in with the kids. In it, it again, it's not the words necessarily, but it's body language. How can you just be receptive to uh, what what these children, uh, as teachers, uh, can can learn from you? And I imagine the mindfulness topic that you you sort of began talking to us about and, and paying attention to our breath, it seems to be a greater uh, topic that, that is showing up everywhere, but also particularly within education, that um, that, that element uh, is important as well in this work with kids and teachers. Yes. I, 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 have, I have my three basic clown rules. I, I referred to uh, two of them um, uh, directly, but number one is breathe. Uh, be in your body and connect with your breath. Uh, number two is find ways of making your partner look good. Uh, and your your partner <laughs> can be 
uh, personally or professionally. Find ways to make them look good. And and number three is uh, find ways to uh, embrace and create space for the unknown. In fact, I know we only have a couple of, of minutes remaining, uh, but uh, what I'd like to invite you and your listeners to do is to, to take out a, a piece of paper uh, and a pencil and uh, close your eyes and draw a self-portrait. I, I brought an assortment of um, sound-making devices, so I'll, I'll play a little tune, but uh, close your eyes and draw a self-portrait while I bring you this musical interlude. I don't know if that was enough time, but but tell me what you if you've opened your eyes, tell me what you see. I I did, and we're we're down to the end here. I um, but I I I it was fun. I I like what I see. Very circular, and scribbled. <laughs> well, mine mine has mine has a lot of energy around it, Jeff. Wonderful. Well, I'd, I'd curly, love to see it post. Yeah. It, it's a it's an easy way to enter into the unknown and to you can either if you don't like it you can throw away the results or it, it's a great reminder put it up on your on your fridge or somewhere where you willingly enter into the unknown in a, in a playful spirit. And we'll invite listeners if they did try this and ourselves as well to post it on the Creativity and Play Facebook page if you if you'd like to starting with ourselves. I would so, love yeah. that. Thank you so much for joining us on Creativity and Play. Jeff Smithson is founder of Proponent of Play. Our theme music is Kindergarten, composed and performed by Jonathan Batiste. And you can listen to this show and previous shows again. You can find more information about our guests and sign up to be notified about coming shows at creativityandplay.com. And find Creativity and Play on Twitter or Facebook. Creativity and Play is a production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination in partnership with the National Creativity Network. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. Thank you so much, Jeff, for joining us. Thank you.